If you attack somebody today, you usually go after their motive instead of their substance. I learned a long time ago. It's always appropriate to disagree and... But, but do, you, you don't cop to, you know, President Obama doing that occasionally, too? I have never attacked someone's motive. Mm -hmm. Go back and look. I'm talking about President Obama. I mean, you know both sides do this to each other. It's not like the Democrats are without sin. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying there are. I mean, I Hillary it's... Clinton was out there calling him basket full of deplorables, which a lot of people think cost her the election. Well, look, I, I, I'm, I'm speaking for myself and what I think has to change. And what has to change is the way we conduct our, our, our political rhetoric. I'm gay. <laughs>did there with that cold open, but I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's January 18th, 2024. I am joined by a woman who needs no introduction as my co-host on today's show. That's right. It's Miss Megan Kelly. Megan, how are you? <laughs> I'm a little traumatized by that clip. What's I don't going on know. with my hair and why did I look so fat? I don't remember being fat, but I used to be fat, I guess. You're going in the right direction, sister, because... <laughs> Rare. Yeah, I don't even know. I didn't even know you're going to show fat me, and I wore my saucy top. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So that was obviously when you were on M on MB NBC, which is what now? That's about five years ago, something like that. Yeah, that would have been five. It would have been 2018, I think. That yeah, when his book came out. So 2018, and even if you watch that, I mean, he's lost a lot considerably mentally since then, and he was so a little stumbly, fumbly even in that. on the waistline. Well, <laughs> Megyn Kelly, lost weight, looks like a million bucks. I think that goes without saying. But Joe Biden, even just seeing him there, and he's kind of stumbly. Remarkable. No, it's, it's really. remarkable. It's like a different person. Even if you run sound bites from two years ago, you see a remarkable difference. And that was five years ago. And I actually spent some time with him behind the scenes. His wife was there, too. Um, and they... It's like two different people. I just feel like she's still together, but he, that might have as well have been 25 years ago, Dave. Because even in person, like off camera, he was snappy, he was with it, he was clever, he had funny references. That, I feel like that person's gone. Yeah, it really feels like it's long gone. We'll get to more of him at the end and some of the goneness. We've got videotape of it. But first, I want to give Megyn Kelly credit on the internet. We did this on your show the other day, but I want it to be on the Rubin Report as well. Because about two years ago, it's almost two years ago, that I was on your show and it was before DeSantis had even run for re-election or was running for president. We were getting into the Trump-DeSantis thing. And you said that the Trump people are ride or die. They're never going to break. It's going to be impossible for DeSantis. And I, I watched the clip again. We played it on your show a couple days ago. And I watched it again this morning. And I was thinking, what was going on in my head at that time? And I think what I really thought, having just moved to Florida, was that COVID was going to play a much larger role in this election. That people, it was so fresh at the time that I thought, this is going to be the thing that is going to drive people to vote or make decisions. And clearly, that just didn't turn out to be so... After the uh, Iowa caucus, I give Megyn Kelly some credit. You called it right, sister. You deserve the cred. Thanks, Dave. I understand exactly what you are saying about where you were. And it, and it has been kind of remarkable how even Republicans have moved past COVID and don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. It's like, why wouldn't you want to talk about it? What if we get another leader in there who does this to us again? I mean, you think about Trump. With all due respect to Trump, He's one of those leaders who did that to us. Yeah. <laughs> he now says he didn't lock us down, but he did lock us down. 
And not only did he lock us down for those two weeks, but he was calling up governors like DeSantis, urging them to keep the lockdowns going and chastising them when they didn't. All that's been swept under the rug, not to mention the stuff with Fauci. Even GOPers don't want to talk about it. I, I do want to talk about it. I can see why you thought the Republicans, who are at least on the better side of that, would want to talk about it. But I just feel like maybe it was too much trauma and people just wanted to forget about it. And that did not help Ron DeSantis. What does that tell you about the American people? Or what are even the results? We can throw the results up real quick of Iowa. Everyone knows already Trump got a little over uh, 50%, about 51%. He got 20 delegates. DeSantis came in second, 21%. Eight delegates. Nikki, just right behind him, 19%. Seven delegates. I mean, what does that sort of thing, like we went through three years of COVID craziness, something that none of us could have ever imagined a mere four years ago. We go through all that and then it has no bearing on this uh, initial caucus, at least. I don't know. It's I expected more from the Republican Party. I knew why the Democrats would want to move on. They did it to us. They advocated the wrong things. They suppressed our speech on their controversial moves. So I can 100% see why they'd move on. But why did the Republicans allow it to go? And I all I can return to is it was traumatic. They don't want to discuss it. They know they were right. They know they were right about the lab leak theory, about the masks not working, about the vaccines being not really vaccines and having potential health risks. And instead of wanting to sort of bask in the glory of having been so right on so many things, they're just angry and they wanna move on. Only this core constituency of like RFKJ supporters Mm -hmm. wants to continue talking about it. And the rest of the GOP is like, let's not go there, it's done. You know, we'll never let it happen again, but let's move on because they just don't want to relive it. Is that partly because Trump has such a stranglehold on the party for better or for worse? And in that he did give Fauci an award on the way out. I think three weeks before leaving office, he was asking, there's a document uh, proving this. He was asking DeSantis to shut down again, as you had alluded to, warp speed, et cetera, et cetera. Like if they were to really focus on it again, and if we were really to get a reckoning, a lot of that would kind of be aimed at him. I don't think that's why. I think that maybe there's some core Trump supporters who don't want to talk about it in the same way they don't want to talk about anything that Trump has done that, you know, is controversial. But I don't I get the same sense for from so-called regular Republicans, the normies, you know, the ones who aren't hardcore MAGA, who are just Mm -hmm. sort of like, you know, walking along, doing their Republican thing, but not thinking about politics all the way or Trump. I think they've all they all want to move on. That's my impression. Even on the show, you can kind of see if you do a segment on covid are people responding well to it? Does it get a lot of numbers when you mm-hmm. cut it as an individual clip? No, not at all. And I don't have a hardcore MAGA audience. I have some MAGA supporters and some mm-hmm. not. I just think that they don't want to talk about it. It's it's too upsetting. They're, they were ready to move on from it after the two weeks. Never mind after, you know, years. It was a bad chapter. They got sucked into involuntary measures that they didn't want to do with respect to themselves and their children. And I think they'd fight like hell if this came back around. But I think right now they get it. They figured out who the bad actors are and they just don't have any desire to dwell there. Whether Trump had anything to do with it or not, uh, he did win the Iowa caucus and we've got a little bit of his winning speech. Well, I wanna thank everybody. This has been some period of time and most importantly, we wanna thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you, we love you all. What a turnout, what a crowd. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together 
whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative, it would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. That's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon. Megan, are the Democrats and Republicans coming together over this? Has that been your takeaway uh, in mm. the last 48 hours or so? <laughs> no, it's a no. But I do think he's trying. I mean, that whole speech to me, like the softness about Melania, the loss of her, her mom recently. I think this is the softer Trump who there he has this gear. He doesn't show it that often, mm -hmm. which is like, I'm actually a nice guy. If you spent time with me, you'd like me. I'm not always this combative, pugilistic man. Um, and I can be somebody who would bring the country together if only you would let me, if you would stop just, you know, excoriating me and suing me and indicting me, you could see a nicer man. And when I'm in a good mood and you've done right by me in particular, I'm absolutely charming, right? That's, that's Trump. And he does want the Republican party to unite around him. And uh, you know, it probably is time realistically for them to do that. Um, I, I think he's going to get there. You know, even in 2015, 16, the party hated him. He wrested that nomination out of the grips of Fox News, the Wall Street Journal, mainstream Republicans, the Chamber of Commerce, and bent the party to his will. And even in that election, where you had hardcore never Trumpers emerging, over 90% of the Republican Party came home for him. So he's going to do it again. And what I saw with him in Iowa was he's starting the process. Like, look, it's me. I've done it again. Come on. Get on board because the stakes are too high. It's time. What do you think the other two should do? Uh, I have said all along that obviously I was a DeSantis guy. I wasn't hiding that. And I'm very happy, actually. Look, if he ends up as my governor in Florida, well, he obviously will remain my governor in Florida, assuming he doesn't win this thing. And if Trump ends up my president, like in some ways that might be the best situation for the, for the country and certainly for Florida. Um, wh where do you think this leaves him right now? And like, do you think there's any chance? Like, is, is this just absolutely over in your estimation at this point? With all due respect to Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, yes. I, I don't think they have any chance. It's over. It's Trump's. He won. Um, even if she wins New Hampshire, and she's not going to. I mean, she's got a sliver of a chance of actually winning. Um, even if she wins New Hampshire, that's one state where you know independents and Democrats are allowed to vote. Mm -hmm. It's not representative of the Republican Party. And she's not going to win in South Carolina. Trump's going to dominate there. And then we go to Super Tuesday, where he's going to run the board. He's going to be very powerful on Super Tuesday. He's actually got, he's done a lot of legwork. Unlike in 2015, 16, Trump has a team that knows what it's doing and has run the tables in places like Nevada in a way that's going to be very helpful to his electoral chances. Um, the, the New York Times Daily Podcast called The Daily did a deep dive on this the other week. And it was actually very interesting on all the work Trump's been doing to set himself up for success in getting this nomination, even if he's indicted. Um, so like he's to set himself up for winning against his other GOP competitors and then to make it almost impossible for them to take the delegates away mm -hmm. if he is indicted or convicted between now and the conventions. He's playing it very smart. He's got a very good team around him. So, yeah, I think it's over. And I think it's I see why DeSantis and Haley are seeing it through to New Hampshire. You could make the case they owe that to their voters. Certainly she owes it to her New Hampshire voters to see that through. But I'm pretty sure DeSantis will drop out right after New Hampshire, and Nikki Haley will probably declare a win, wait until she takes a beating in South Carolina, her home state, and she's out too. Vivek's gone. Asa Hutchinson's finally gone. <laughs> Who knew he was still in? Yeah. And the party, you know, by the end of 
this month or February will definitely, I think, be behind Trump. Yeah, I basically do agree with you. I think my guess is DeSantis stays through South Carolina since he skipped right over New Hampshire and just went right there. I feel like he knows nothing good's going to happen in, South, in uh, North, uh, sorry, New Hampshire, and then you do South Carolina, and that's that. What do you think DeSantis's takeaway from all this should be at the end when he comes back home? I think he's going to say Trump was just too immovable. You know, you know, immovable feast. He was an immovable beast. It was just, you know, he, you can't, you know, when you're you start to date the guy who's separated from his wife and he's really good looking and you think, oh, I'm really hitting it off with him and he's separated. But like the ex-wife is amazingly good looking and brilliant and dynamic. And you're like, yeah, but there's a window. They separated. You know, I'm here. I'm I'm cool. Maybe he's going to. It's just very hard. You know, then you find out the ex-wife is Heidi Klum, but she's got the mind of Marie Curie. And you, it's just not going to happen. You know, like sometimes you, like you, you may be a great package too, but it's hard to insert yourself into this relationship that's already established, even if it had a bit of a separation. And that's Trump and the Republican Party. You know, they, the separation wasn't really caused by Trump. It was caused by Joe Biden coming along in an election and they kind of had to say goodbye before they were ready. And then Ron DeSantis says like, opportunity, I could get in with those Republican voters. Maybe they want to marry me. And they were like, oh, yeah, you're kind of handsome. Oh, my God, look at Heidi Klum. That's, that's how it went down. It was just, it was a very, very massive challenge for him. I don't think any mere mortal could have done it. And certainly not given the relative talents of each man, was it going to happen this time around? He's just, you, you, can't, you can't beat a walking ball of charisma with slow and steady wins the race. It's just right. it's well, not I meant think- to be. I, I think that's the key part because I'm seeing everyone say, oh, he should have done this or he should have done more podcasts or he should have blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't know that any of it would have worked because of the point that you made to me two years ago. There was going to be this group of people that would not have moved no matter what. It's kind of funny because if you had a time machine and you just threw Ron DeSantis in a Republican primary 30 years ago, it's like the guy actually did run a pretty flawless campaign. He never got hit on a debate stage. He never made a a major mistake. The policies were all there, probably more in line with the base than even Trump. But again, there was this, this unbelievable orange X factor and it just is what it is. Well, and we require so much of our politicians post-Trump. You know, be, before Trump, I'm old enough to remember like Scott Walker as the yeah. front runner. Yeah, yeah. He, I really like Scott Walker. I think he's brilliant, but he's not exactly Mr. Personality, uh, you know, when it comes to charisma. That was fine for the Republican Party for a time. They were like, yeah, we might do that. Let's let's try him out, you know. Um, they nominated Mitt Romney. He's not a walking ball of charisma either. Uh, John McCain wasn't either. You know, we could keep going. Mm-hmm. George W. Bush wasn't. He had he had charm though. He did. Yeah, he, he had some charm in baseball and yeah. But it would sneak up on you. But anyway, um, none of them was in Trump's field of like commanding a room and the celebrity factor and the humor. He's a stand-up comedian, as you know. You appreciate that talent. None of them had that. So until Trump came around, we our standards were lower on how much we needed to be entertained. You know, like entertain me, dance for me. That's how we are now. It's like, oh, Ron DeSantis, you don't make me laugh. You're not clever. You're not funny. You're just a good leader. When did I, I don't yeah. want that. <laughs> You're just right? functional, defending the Constitution, making no, sure the government can't inject us with shit. I didn't sign up for this. I paid a $25 cover charge. Make me laugh, bitch. Anyway, so <laughs> I think I think he, they were all up against it with Trump. And, and it's, it won't be until Trump exits stage left on his own volition or because he gets called home up above 
that there's going to be room for another person in this, you know, race for the White House or this sort of presidential politics on the on the right. Well, what, what, what would you make of the argument that, in essence, this was the best thing that could have happened to the Democrats, or assuming that you're correct about this and Trump now runs the table, that, all right, you have the weakest candidate, you have the court cases, we know a certain amount of people hate him, people think he's Hitler, da 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 da, da like this is what they wanted. There are no new voters there, something like that. I guess I don't totally buy it. I get it. I see the smart people making the argument, people I really respect and follow, but uh, I've got my doubts because there's no one stronger than Trump. He's just extremely strong and resilient. Like whatever you throw at the man, it doesn't hurt him. And that wouldn't necessarily be true for anybody else. It wouldn't be true for anybody else, but everyone else is like mortal. Mm -hmm. And Trump is like something else. I don't know what he is. I realize he's mortal, but I was just saying, like, he's got this incredible ability to resist everything, the Teflon Don. And I don't think anybody else has that. You know, other controversies, other scandals stick to everyone else. They're not a walking ball of chaos and charisma. I guess he's both. And it's worked for him. So I can see the argument that Trump's the only one who can do it. That the media, do you think the media was going to let Ron DeSantis saunter into the White House? <laughs> they definitely were going to be bringing up girls from the high school at which he taught saying, he me tooed me, or he looked at me the wrong way. I mean, bullshit made up stuff. But they, they, they played dirty. God, they fight very dirty. Look what they did to Brett Kavanaugh. You know, this sweet guy, Supreme Court justice. They wanted, he's a drunk. He's a serial rapist. Serial rapist, yeah. I mean, come on. So- they're going to do this to anybody. And I, I mean, I can see the argument that Trump's the only one who's played this game, won the game. No matter what you throw at him, he, st he stays standing and he's just tough as a mofo. So I, I don't know if I, if I would say they've nominated the one most likely to be defeated. I'm not sure if I believe that. By the way, for every reason that you just laid out there, that's why I have no problem supporting him going forward because I do believe he's going to be the nominee. I said all along, DeSantis is my guy, but if Trump's the nominee, obviously I'm going to support him instead of Joe Biden. It's not even a question. And it was kind of funny because not that you should pay too much attention to the comments online, but I saw these people like, Ruben's going to come crawling back to us and be broken. And, and I'm like, what? I don't know. It's, it's politics. You win some, you lose some. Like, it's going to be all right. We're going to be okay. Hopefully, maybe. They're always, they're always doing that. I, mean, I was like, you can't, did you see, there's, did you see that guy, that Benny Johnson? He's a yeah. online commentator. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so when he I said one night, he did one nice thing with Vivek or something? One. He, he posted something on X saying, I'm with Vivek today. We're going to go to this city and that city and this city. And people were like, traitor, we're keeping the receipts. We see you. And I was like, oh my God, was getting all this backlash. He did that with DeSantis too. Like I, I remember seeing him do this. Yeah, he thing. went in a car ride with DeSantis. Yeah, which was actually really entertaining. He, DeSantis gave him all this great stuff on the trans stuff, which I was this, I was like, oh, that's great stuff. Anyway, he's like gonna follow Vivek, who's still in the race and should be somewhat acceptable to core MAGA. And they were like, F you, you traitor. At, to the point at which the guy apologized and took down the tweet. I know. What's happened? I love being in my lane where I don't have to sign on to any of these people. You know, I love just being over here like, here's what's happening. Here's the palace intrigue. My God, people are killing each other. As Jordan Peterson says, never apologize if you don't owe someone an apology. I think I think Benny, who I like, I think he, he kind of dropped the ball on that one. But actually, speaking of the, the no new voters thing, 
uh, because that seems to be an argument too, that Trump just can't bring in new voters. There seems to be an interesting thing happening with Nikki right now, where there's two kind of schools of thought. One is that she can bring in new voters. So here's Kaylee McEnany, who used to, she was like the shining star of the, of the Trump presidency. Uh, he subsequently has turned on her, but she said, uh, Nikki Haley just congratulated Trump, her opponent, on his win. Interesting. She has made clear that she is not running for second, but still is clearly a strong contender for vice president. Politics is a game of addition, and Nikki adds a different voting block to Trump's base. That seems very true to me. Like, I know the base doesn't want to hear it, but first off, they have worked together. She was U.S. ambassador to the U.N. under Trump. She did a pretty damn good job at it. I know the base hates, like, the whatever the neocon stuff they try to attach to her is. Um, but he is going to have to figure out some way to bring in some new people, right? Yes. I mean, I wouldn't read too much into Kaylee McEnany's tweet. With all due respect to Kaylee, she was his press secretary and not his chief of staff. She didn't <laughs> run his campaign. She was, yeah. was his mouthpiece for, like, a year. Uh, and now she's at Fox News, where they're very much behind Haley. So, like, I wouldn't read too deeply into that. Now, is it out of the realm of possibility that he chooses Haley? Absolutely not. It's not. I realize that MAGA doesn't want it. They've convinced themselves that Nikki Haley is against all the things that they stand for, in particular the new isolationist strain mm -hmm. um, within the Republican Party. She's the opposite. She's more of a neocon. That's why the folks over at Commentary and some at National Review, although they're, they're I think, a little bit more pro-DeSantis, but in any event, that's why they like her. Mm -hmm. um, but Trump has to win, Dave. Trump must win. He has no choice for himself. And I think he thinks America needs him to win. But he, he personally really must win mm -hmm. if he doesn't want to go to jail. It, it, now that it's going to be Trump and he doesn't have to rely on another Repu Republican to pardon him or pull the DOJ off of him, he's going to have to do it. He, if he doesn't win now, if he's the Republican nominee, he's going to jail. And not just like going to jail and then having an appeal. He's probably going to jail and is going to stay in jail for a long time, potentially for the rest of his life. So if that's your situation, I think you might be thinking, Mac is going to get over Nikki Haley if I tell them to get over Nikki mm -hmm, Haley. I mean, mm -hmm. I know for a fact that's how Trump thinks. MAGA feels the way I tell them to feel. Yep. And he's probably thinking if, if he wants her, they'll get, they'll get past it. They're not going to sit at home and not come out for me. And they're not going to watch me lose to Joe Biden, potentially getting him and or Kamala Harris in the next five years as their president. So I'll take that risk because I need moderates and I need independents. I don't need somebody to help me with conservatives like I did eight years ago. He needed Mike Pence. You know, Trump had always been a Democrat. We, right. I, that was one of my debate questions for him. How long have you been a Republican? Back <laughs> Because it, 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 he didn't sound like one. He hadn't been living as one. It seemed like a recent thing he had picked up after watching Fox News for two years. So he needed Pence. Now he needs something different. He needs to convince moderates and Democrats he's not the devil. He's not going to do a six-week abortion ban. The things that drive Dems to the poll, polls. So it does make some sense. I, I could not agree more. I, I When I see all these people that are suddenly like, no, he'll never do it, and or I won't vote for him if he chooses Nikki, it's like, you'll do what Trump kind of tells you to do. Actually, that's a perfect segue. So Tucker, who seems to be in that camp, basically, I think he said, if I'm not mistaken, he would not vote for Donald Trump if Trump- He would if campaign Trump, against- Campaign against him even further. Take a look at this. Next week, estimates suggest that 40% maybe more of all primary voters in the Republican primary will not be Republicans. 
So who will they be? Well, they'll be liberals, like this one. Yeah, I'm still undecided on who I'm voting for. I'm a Democrat, um, but I think uh, I think Biden's too old to be in office, and I watched the Republican debate, and I think Haley, I definitely don't agree with a lot of her platform, but I think she has a lot of momentum behind her, and I think she's much more capable than both Trump and Biden. Wow, but, you mentioned that you're a Democrat, <laughs> said Joe Biden's yeah. a little bit too old. If it came down to Nikki Haley versus Joe Biden, which way would you lean on? I think I'm still undecided on that. I definitely agree a lot more with Biden's platform, but I think Haley's more capable of the job. That poor girl. She'll be embarrassed by that tape at some point. But she went on in, in that video to explain that the issues that she cares most about in the world are, quote, climate and transgenderism. So that's where she is politically. And if Nikki Haley wins the primary next week, it will be because of people like the woman you just saw. They are the real Nikki Haley voters. Okay, Megan, I don't want to make it about that girl who's just randomly showing up there and whatever. Let's just put her aside for a moment. Uh, but the, the notion that if Trump chose Nikki, that Tucker Carlson would actively campaign against him, I mean, that's pretty intense. Mm. I guess I have my doubts about whether Tucker would really do it. I accept that <laughs> right, exactly. doesn't want her at all. But, you know, in the end, the politics, it's a binary choice. There, you know, yes, you might have RFKJ or you might have, you know, Joe Manchin, but Tucker's not going to vote for one of them. He's, I think he's going to come home to Trump. I think he's going to do it under protest. I think he's going to look for ways to limit her influence, that kind of thing. And listen, he'll have more influence over Donald Trump than Nikki Haley will. I don't think the influence will go two ways between Nikki and Joe Biden. I mean, mm -hmm. sorry, Nikki and Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really think he'll he'll tell her what to do and she's not going to influence him at all. Mm, I don't really believe it. I think it's one of those things where it's like, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. <laughs> but like, the game is so fun and you really don't want your team to lose, so you will play. That's That's my bet. Putting aside Tucker and, and Trump and, and even Nikki for a second, what, what do you make of the ideas of these open primaries like they have in New Hampshire? I'm personally not a fan. Like a primary is for the people who vote for that party. The idea that you would open it up to everyone, it, it, it actually instigates people who are bad actors to vote for people that they think are more, you know, more able to be defeated by the person on their side of the aisle. I agree with everything you just said. And I also think it stinks because the Democrats are much better at it than the Republicans are. <laughs> Why are the Republicans so bad at dirty pool? Like, because they, they have really jobs, they have jobs and about. families and things to do during the day. The Democrats, yeah. they're they're on the meth, and you know. I just feel like what, the Republicans spend so much time whining about the mail-in ballots, and like, you know what? Remember that? What was that movie? Remember that movie Malice with Alec Baldwin and Nicole Kidman? It was such a good so. movie. Oh, it was so good. It's a thriller from like 1993. Mm -hmm. and there's a scene where Anne Bancroft is like kind of grizzled and she's got the gray hair. She's drinking the double malted and she goes, get in the game. Get into the game. That's my message for the Republicans. Quit your whining and do better. Like if the Democrats are going to do all this stuff with the ballot and the harvesting and all, like stop whining. Just beat them at their own game. If you're not gonna actively work in between elections to change the laws, then exploit them in the same way the Democrats do. And I suppose I feel the same about open primaries, you know, and also nominating the most radical candidate in the primary season uh, that 
you can so that they'll lose in the general the way we saw the Dems do to the Republicans in 2022. And they spent all that money to nominate the people who could not win. And the Republicans just go along with like, anyway, they're not very good at winning elections. They're much better at legislating and ideas than they are at actually winning. It's something to put on the master to-do list for 2024. Well, speaking of that fight and what maybe makes them not so good, this, this tension between the isolationist wing that seems to be sort of like the Tucker, Vivek side of this thing versus the more traditional Republican, where do you see the kind of energy there? Do you think it's kind of a healthy fight? The funny thing about Nikki, like I get it that I guess she's funded by these people, but as UN ambassador, she was quite good. I mean, we, we showed strength so we didn't invade countries. That was under Trump, so there's a little bit of play with the way they talk about it with her, I think. She did, but I think she was enacting Trump's policies there. You know, when you hear her talk about her worldview, there's no question she's much more, she sounds like a neocon. Yeah, well, she's all in on Ukraine for sure. She's all in on Ukraine, and I think she's, you know, very much a defender of Israel, and I get that, and she's very aggressive about the way she talks about Iran. She just has a bellicose language to her that is unnerving, I think, to a large section of Republicans who feel burned by the 20 year wars and have been lied to by the government, especially by Republican presidents that they believed in and kind of have just had it. They've just had it. And they don't believe in these military leaders. They believe in the military guys, but not the leaders. And we hear that from a a lot of military rank and file that we all love and respect. So I just think they think she's too flippant about the use of American military power and too tied to those industries and will be too quick to say, yeah, let's send them without realizing what it's gonna do to, you know, you've got two little boys now, I've got two boys, I've got a daughter too, I realize they can go, but they can't be drafted yet, women cannot Mm -hmm. get drafted. Anyway, this is what I hear. So I don't know how this fight pans out to tell you the truth. They haven't really had to have the fight recently. You know, Trump was a little bit more isolationist, though willing to drop a bomb when he needed to, Hi, Soleimani. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then we had Biden, who is, I wouldn't describe him as a neocon, but he is, you know, he's not an isolationist either. Like, he's kind of trying to thread the needle. So now the Republican Party is at a crossroads. You know, Trump is, yeah, he's more isolationist, but we are facing a much more dangerous world, in large part thanks to Trump's predecessor. So what does he do now? What would Trump do with these Houthis? What would he do if, you know, Iran amps things up, which it very well might as soon as this week? You know, what would Trump do if if Putin did finish in Ukraine and move on to another country, like mm-hmm. a NATO country? I don't know the answers to those questions. Would the would the isolationists like Tucker become more bellicose and support, you know, a more neocon type policy if President Trump were at the wheel? Only time will tell. Right, I suppose if Trump was for it, as we said earlier, they probably would, but I do think some of those countries and actors probably wouldn't do some of the things they've been doing because Trump was so unpredictable, right? You drop the mother of all bombs, what the hell is this guy gonna do next? So you just, right? Like, that's so kind of the I idea. That. I have said that, and I, and I see that. That's, that is how I see his four years he already served. But I don't know that that's what's gonna happen in the four years he might yet serve. You know, the world is a very different place right now. It just, it's exploded. Uh, Joe Biden's weakness has invited a lot of provocative actions. And um, the United States is not as strong as it was. It's not perceived as the threat it once was. Mm-hmm. And they understand now the mood of the American people and of Trump's base is is to not get involved. You know, it's it feels very 
uh, like the way I'm told it was here in America after World War One and the buildup to World War Two. They were done. They didn't want it. They were like, we just fought a war. We don't want to. want to get involved. You know, it took a lot to drag us into World War Two. Um, so I I do think we're headed for some bigger foreign policy challenges going into the next term, no matter who's president. Uh, and I think even President Trump might wind up disappointing the more isolationist wing of his party because the world is just so on fire. He's going to be forced to make some very difficult decisions. So I, I've been saying on my show for quite some time now, but I think it's really ramped up since October 7th, that the one group of people that it seems to me really could switch parties right now are the disaffected libs, the kind of old me. And I think I think you, and to some extent, um, yeah, I what, was never what, a lib unless I was in my like young twenties. We'll, we'll count that. We'll count that a little bit. But for you, as for you as I would consider you sort of as moderate as possible, like logical and moderate as possible for someone that can be in politics. Um, but that leads you to generally, I think, but correct me if I'm wrong, more so supporting people that are on the right now. What would you, as a New Yorker, who you know you've lived in New York for many years, New York media girl, all of that stuff, say to your friends that are that are left leaning but waking up to the craziness of the Dems, but that are still afraid to ever actually pull the lever for Republicans? That that means that they're somehow evil and they hate poor people and they're kind of racist and all of that crazy nonsense. I'm sure you have some of those people in your life. Like, what what's the messaging that Republicans should be doing on that? Well. What's the messages, messaging Republicans should be doing versus what my own messaging is is different. Okay. So I was liberal when I was very young, like in my 20s, you know, like your typical. I wasn't really political, but if I had to like check a box, I would say I was more liberal than conservative. And my, my social approach, I think, was more liberal, you know, even into my 30s. Uh, but fiscally and militarily and in some other ways, I was more I was more right leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, now I took a test like a year or two years ago, one of those online tests about your positions, and it said I'm I'm a conservative Republican. I'm I'm hmm. like a very conservative Republican. I'm like, oh, I, I am now. I didn't realize, but okay. Hmm. You know, the the world has shifted underneath my own feet, yeah. and what used to be normal policies are now considered very conservative Republican. So that's fine. I, I, I'm not a Republican. I'm an independent. People call me a Rhino. I'm like, oh, it's worse than that. I, it's not. I'm not even. <laughs> right. I'm not even saying it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. Well, it's far worse than you know. Um, but I am more conservative, so whatever that is. I don't try to convince anybody when it comes to politics. I just feel like life's too short, you do you. One of my best friends in this world in 2020 was out there literally campaigning for Joe Biden, like trying to get people to go to the polls for Joe Biden. We would sit, we'd, tr- we'd talk about it a little. I'd never try to convince her not to do it. I didn't think it was fruitful. And when he won, we all had dinner together. And I remember saying, I'm happy you got what you worked so hard for. That's it. Hmm. I, was I yeah. happy Joe Biden won? No, I was not. But I'm not in the business of trying to get voters to change their hearts and minds. I just think good sense will eventually do it. So this same woman, to take her for an example, kids in New York City school, COVID hit. They shut her schools down for over a year. She has the money to send her kids to private school. She was in public school because she felt like I grew up in this town and I owe it to my town. You know, I owe it to sort of life. She was a lefty, you know, like public schools is the way to go. Like I shouldn't pull them out and put them in some privileged environment. Well, as a result, what did she get? She got her kids out of school for a year. Finally went to an open the schools rally. You know what happened? She was called a white supremacist by a bunch of protesters who were standing there. That's when I saw the light bulb go on, right? Like, wait a minute, what's happening? Maybe I've made some bad decisions. 
And then it started to spiral from there, you know, like the, getting shamed all the time in the lobby of her building for not wearing a mask, her kids not being able to play basketball unless they were double vaxxed at age 13, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So I really, and by the way, she happens to be Jewish. So now, I mean, she's in full MAGA gear. She's a registered Republican. <laughs> she ran right. for city council as a Republican. She's more right than I am. So like life had a way of transforming her. And I was just kind of over there going, come on in, the water's fine. It's fine. But for people who are not ready to pull the lever for Republican because of branding, I think we have to seed that. The Republican branding is terrible. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't want to share a jersey with them. They're ridiculous. They have absurd people. Like, why would you want to? Um, you don't have to. You don't have to go full Republican. You know, you can you can be where I am. You can be a registered independent. You can just vote like a like a sane person mm -hmm. and be free to call out the nonsense on both sides. So that's kind of what I would say. If I were a registered Republican, maybe I would say it a little differently, but I'd say you don't have to adopt all of us or all we stand for. You just have to understand what pulling that lever for the Dems will get you. You know, little boys' penises are going to be chopped off. 13-year-old girls are going to have their breasts chopped off. We're going to have millions more illegal immigrants coming into this country with, yeah, diseases, with mm -hmm. fentanyl that's going to kill American kids, um, with a desire to vote Democrat so they can get more entitlement spending, which you and your children are going to have to spend, pay for environmental policies that want to take away your gas stove and your gas fireplace while the people pushing them are driving huge SUVs and flying private while their jets wait for them to load up their ski gear. I mean, like it's, it doesn't, if you're paying any attention at all, it doesn't take long to see the nonsense unless you've already been totally indoctrinated on the far left. Yeah, that's why I say all the time, I'm very proud to be, to be a Florida Republican, which is the first time that I ever registered Republican, but saying that is very different than saying I'm a national Republican or something like that. I don't know what that means, but I do know what it means in the context of Florida very clearly. Like we, we really do do it right here. But let's uh, transition from doing it, let's transition from doing it right to doing it wrong. Uh, we talked a little bit about Joe Biden up top. Uh, but they're still pushing him out there. And just, this is from last Friday, look at this guy on the campaign trail and, and just please explain to me how anyone is watching this and thinking that he should be the president of the United States. This is uh, uh, Morgan Sherwin. Uh, this is Morgan Sherwin and uh, Sam Sarudi. Uh, 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 there are uh, our team members here. Uh, they help us. They, uh, they help us, uh, you know, Hello. service and sales. Good to see you. Do you have Secretary Austin? I do. I'm sorry. Was it a lapse in judgment for him not to tell you earlier? Yes. All right, Megan, I'm not even sure what's going on with the little girl and the whispering. We've seen a lot of those videos. So let's, we can put that one aside if you want. But the other one, the stiffness in the hands, the stiffness in the gate, the, that look in his eye as if he has no idea where he is, the, the random guy stopping him, like touching the president, don't walk over there. What? I How know. is this real life? I know, it's dark. I mean, it's really bad. It's really getting to the point where you wanna ask yourself like, why doesn't Jill step in? Like, why, why? We know why Hunter doesn't step in, but like, why doesn't family step in to say, you're, you're done, you know, that you don't have to exit this way. You were in the Senate for 50 years, like mm -hmm. had a good career. Democrats love you. You became vice president and president. It's time. It's time to pass the baton. There are other Democrats who can do this. I mean, look at Dean Phillips. I had that guy in my show, the, the congressman from Minnesota. 
he's a centrist guy. He's not, his politics are not for me, but I like him. Mm-hmm. He could do it. He's young. He's vibrant. He, he was, he used to run Talenti ice cream. You know, that was his company. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Talenti's anyway, pretty good. And he plays hockey. I saw a video of him playing hockey. He's got my he's vote. He's vibrant. He's smart. He's better than Pete Buttigieg. But anyway, my point <laughs> is they do have other options. RFKJ, I realize they don't like him, but he's another brilliant option. Uh, Joe Manchin, he's another option who's more centrist, who could win. Um, even within the Democrat hard left field, like Gavin Newsom is at least vibrant. People think Joe Biden's a moderate. He's not. He's as left as Gavin Newsom, or at least he's allowing the people around him right, to be. Right, right. That's so what at least we get somebody with good hair. I don't like... I, Whatever, there's opportunity to sub this guy out. So why, why, why? They think he's got some magic talent of beating Donald Trump because the last time, um, good luck with that plan. I, the, the him like wandering around, as you know, it's not a one-off. We get, we get those once a day. And there was some Democrat being asked about it on TV the other day and his defense of it was, you know, 81, it's not that old. You know, my mom is 88 and she's still driving. It's like, <laughs> okay. yeah, okay. That's not the dunk you think it is. You're like, you know. Right. That's like, she's not leader of the free world. She doesn't have the power with her mere words to start a world war. She doesn't have access to the nuclear codes. And at a time when, you know, apropos of our earlier conversation, America feels kind of weak and weakened these days. He's almost just the, the perfect avatar for that weakness. So it kind of, disturbs me on a few levels. We need, there is something about Trump and I've said publicly and he got mad at me. He's lost a few steps. He has. Um, I know he doesn't like hearing it, but he's lost a few steps from 16. But there's no comparison between these two men. And the thing about Trump that is attractive in comparison to Biden in this vein is, remember Trump at the G7 when he went up to the guy from Montenegro and he grabbed him on the shoulder. Oh and he's yeah. Like, Get out of here. Yeah. Right? Like, bolded, you know, right past yeah, him. Yeah, we'll, we'll throw to some B-roll of that as we're doing this. It's brilliant. I, I loved that. I, it's like, we're the United effing States of America. Move back, Montenegro. Get out of the way. Like, I liked it, I have to say. I think a lot of people liked it. They like a strong man. They like feeling like, yeah, USA, you know, back-to-back world championships. And like, it's, when you look at Joe Biden, you feel all the opposite. You feel like you've got the losing team in a football season that's never going to be able to get the ball across the end zone. That is kind of an embarrassment. There's no the, the seats in the stadium are empty, and you just kind of feel bad because it's been so long since you've had a winning season. That psychology is at play when you look at both men. And I do think the Democrats are in a lot of trouble if they're just banking on, oh, he's centrist Joe. He's like the sweet Joe from Scranton. We bought that lie once. I think the American public have realized it's not true. He's not this sweet centrist guy and he's incapable of staying on this job for four more years. Right, and I don't—I actually don't know which one is worse, whether he's as incapacitated as we all think. I mean, no one in their right minds thinks he could work one shift at McDonald's. And I don't mean that as a shot to anyone that works at McDonald's. I don't think he could work one shot behind the, one daily shift behind the counter at McDonald's. That's one thing. But I don't know what's worse, that or if there's a shadow government basically behind him pulling the strings. Like, is that Barack Obama or, or who the hell? Which one of those things would even be worse? Who knows? Who did we elect? I don't know. But right. this is one of the things, you know, I think a lot of people who aren't paying attention don't really even realize how deep the DEI stain has gone into our government, into our schools, 
thanks to his leadership and his plan, the same with the transgender ideology. He is not <clears throat> centrist. He's radical. I mean, or the people around him are. I don't right. really give a damn at this point because it's the same, you know, in terms of its effect. And so, you know, you I was talking to that guy, Dean Phillips, who made DEI part of his platform as this Democratic challenger. And then I start asking him about some of these radical plans. I don't think he even knew some of what Joe Biden was doing. That Those letters do not stand for what many people think they do. Mm -hmm. uh, either way, for me, it's like the bottom line, anybody who believes in any of that nonsense has got to go. I could never vote for somebody who's behind dividing us by race, allowing little children to chop off body parts before they've reached the age of majority before they can smoke a cigarette. And Joe Biden's 100% in favor of all that nonsense, feeble or not. What it might all boil down to, of course, is that the lady behind him is not that impressive. Here is Kamala Harris earlier this week. Look what happened in Georgia. Passed a law to make it illegal to give people food and water who are standing in line sometimes for hours to vote. What happened to love thy neighbor? The hypocrisy abounds. I see our college students up there. <laughs> and let me just tell you, I love Gen Z. I don't know if something, you know, I love Gen Z. <laughs> so, okay, for the older adults, this is gonna be a humbling thing I'm about to share with you. If someone is 18 years old today, they were born in 2005. <laughs> oh yeah, check that out. Think about that for a minute. <laughs> Look who's walking around with an abacus. Um, Idiot. Megan, does that answer your, your previous question, which is like, well, why can't they get rid of him? That's kind of why, because they know that like, okay, if you could bring in Dean Phillips or if you could bring in RFK or anyone else magically, well, you still have to get rid of her and that's what they're up against right now because nobody's gonna vote for her. Aren't you feeling sorry for yourself, right? I'm feeling sorry for me. <laughs> Why am I feeling sorry for Megyn Kelly right now? How do we get stuck with these two? How do oh, we get stuck? Oh, existentially, yes, I feel bad for all of us, yeah. See, yeah, no, she used to go on with her, like, in that same speech with her, like, what we need is to be unburdened by what right. has been, which she says, <laughs> like, every other day as though it's a newfound profundity that she's come up with and she absolutely loves as almost as much as her Venn diagram. She she's loves Venn diagrams. Sandwich. She's an also Russia's big. Vessel. Russia's big, Ukraine's small. Remember that one? That was a good one. It's a country and it's right next to Russia. And it's, yeah. So yes, she is a massive problem for him, though I do think there's a way of getting rid of both of them. I really do. I just think like Joe Biden can say, you know, it's time to pass the baton and the new person is going to need to choose his own vice president. Like sort of approach it as though obviously, you know, I'm ceding to the next runner for president and that person's, they're gonna have to compete. You know, Michelle Obama and Gavin Newsom and Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris are gonna have to compete for it, right? Yeah, like make it a contest, but the Democrats will never put her in. But he cannot pass the baton to her because they will lose and they know that. So I do think there's a way, there's a way of getting rid of both of them, but he won't cede. He is not, he is not going to cede. I don't believe he's going to cede power. I don't remember in recent history, any president ever doing that, you know, mm -hmm. when, when they thought that they had a chance of actually being reelected. So they're stuck with them. And the problem with her presence, this is what happens, you know, live by identity politics, die by identity politics. He chose her, he said, because she's a black woman, same as Katanji Brown Jackson. 
same as what they're now saying at Harvard, has to be another black woman. It does? Why? Anyway, now he can't get rid of her because who's the most loyal group of Democrat voters? Right. It's black men. Right. He's losing black men to Trump already, like by the droves. He's losing Hispanics, but he's not losing black women. And already some black women who are prominent social commentators have said, don't you dare. And also don't sub in Michelle Obama because, quote, we're not interchangeable. That's a quote from Sonny Hostin of The View. She's weighed in on it. She's not the only one. Several. She'd be interchangeable with the traffic cone. You can't get rid of Kamala. Like, it's a hard no. So they've tied their hands. And unfortunately, if he wins again, they've tied all of our hands. Megan, come uh, mid-January 2025, who will be president of the United States? And then I will let you go. I hate when people ask this. because I, I know, and that's why I'm doing it, because you got me on that other one with the Trump and DeSantis thing, and now we'll just have a clip out there hanging there. Um, I'm going to have to say Donald Trump. I just think, I know, I know we're about to go through a year of indict, not indictments, criminal trials, and probably convictions, and maybe even the rogue judge who sends him into jail pending appeal. Unlikely, but maybe. Trump grows with every controversy, and I think it will be true this year as well. I've never seen the Republican base so angry about something. Even the ones who don't like him are going to try to send a message that that kind of electioneering that the Dems are doing to him is not okay. And Joe Biden over the next year is likely to have a fall or an impossible to ignore senior moment. And so I'd have to say Trump. Megan, as I always tell you, you're on the top of my very short list of people who make me think that there are sane people in the world and we might exist in a couple of years from now. Uh, I feel like I owe you a bottle of tequila because of that uh, yeah. Trump DeSantis thing. For Do you have a specific type or do I have carte blanche here? Yeah, carte blanche, as long as it's like, you know, white tequila. I don't want like any of the yellow stuff, like this lowbrow. Something, something elevated, please. You want a Cristalino. I'll take it. Send it my way. I've learned if you put an orange slice in it, like an orange, orange rind, not the slice. It changes the whole thing. You can have it over rocks without the caloric mixers. Boom, you're home. As they say when they're drinking tequila, adios, amiga. <laughs> I just want to tell you that America is the greatest place on earth. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.